Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. February 2023. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. And uh, welcome to Webcology. So, uh, Christine, it's um, fun, uh, fun week that just went past. A really fun week coming up. Um, and we got a sponsor. Yes, we do. I'm so excited. It's such a cool product, too. Well, um, why don't you take a sec to introduce our sponsor? Sure. <laughs> it's a, a Tom uh, Rustling, his company. Uh, they have a product. I don't think it's in full release yet called Audience Key. Uh, it's going to be an amazing product to help uh, make your keyword research to content brief to tracking how well it does super simple and put it all in one place so you can easily make changes. And they're also using uh, edge technology so you can do it without even bothering a developer if you want. We're going to have Tom on the show next week. And um, in the meantime, uh, Christine and I are both going to be using um, audience key to, to you know, try to spice up content and just get a general feel of the, uh, of the tool. I can't wait to ask him a bunch of questions about development and, um, you know, why they made certain, I, I love talking to tool makers about why they make decisions and, you know, uh, uh, who they were trying to design for, what problems they were trying to solve as they were going along. And um, audience key is a lot of fun to work with. So it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a, uh, a pretty fun interview. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things that I always pick on, because I've designed uh, interfaces my whole career, right, is the, how well, how easy it is to use. And I find that it's a very easy product to use, which is really nice. So I think uh, once we get Tom on to talk about it, people will get excited about it. So. Um, audience key, we're gonna make up a great tagline for it pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or maybe we'll get AI to do it for us. Actually, we won't get AI to do it for us, but we might get AI to help us. Lots of people are using AI, so much so that um, the cost for, um, for Bing and for OpenAI, their costs have skyrocketed recently. Um, using, uh, using AI in a um, computer, AI-assisted search, or even just trying to do a query, getting, getting AI to, uh, to complete a task for you, uses a tremendous amount of computing power and thus a whole bunch of electricity. And so much so that uh, Bing has been compelled to increase the cost of access to uh, Bing search and uh, image search APIs by like three to 10 times. Yeah, what was the actual cost? I didn't get it. I didn't see that. Well, that, I mean, there is no there's no actual cost because it really depends on what you're grinding through their system. Um, it's yeah. the cost is relative to usage, but they're going to be increasing three times to 10 times, depending on the on what you're doing. Um, what you're accessing. Um, I understand that the greatest cost increases are gonna be around uh, image search API because um, facial recognition and um, working with images and, uh, and, and AI is just incredibly taxing. Well, it is one of the things that doesn't get talked about, the dirty little secret of all this AI is it is more carbon producing than Bitcoin and crypto. And uh, it'll be used much by many more people and many more situations and environments. So um, they're going to have to find a way to fix that issue. But that would, uh, I'm not surprised at all that their cost went up because of the cost. It's a very cost intensive uh, process. Uh, truly, I think they would do better just to do an AI Clippy, <laughs> Microsoft would, than an AI search, because then people would just use it, you know, for things they wanted assistant help with instead of on every search that they do. So 
Well, mm-hmm. you know, as way. as time goes on, um, it looks like both OpenAI and Microsoft. Um, and at this point, I think we got kind of got to sever OpenAI and what they're presenting to the public, and um, Microsoft Bing and what it's presenting to the public, even though it's informed by and 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 uh, backstopped by OpenAI. Um, it looks like Microsoft is learning from bitter experience. Um, <laughs> quick, quick bitter experience. Yeah, recent, recent bitter experience. Um, <laughs> and is you know, it's it's actually finding ways to um, for want of, and I, I don't like this term, for put guardrails around um, around what its version of uh, GPT is putting out. And there was a really neat article that was up in uh, Search Engine Journal. It's a Roger Monty piece, and it was published earlier today. Um, or I'm sorry, earlier earlier yesterday. And it outlines how Bing uses web content, because here's the or how Bing AI uses web content, because very recently um, Microsoft Bing's new AI offering is now considering. Um, contemporary information directly from uh, from Bing's index. Kind of, though I have not I've not read all this yet, and it's a lot to digest because they use Prometheus and they also use um, something called Orc- Orchestrator. Well, but it's yeah. a it's like a side by side project. So it's not doing information retrieval and bringing back results. It's well, bringing Prometheus. back re- re- results next to the. Prometheus is um, the name word used to describe the combination of uh, data out of the search index and um, what Microsoft is next generation GPT and the orchestrator is the I guess the environment in which these um, inputs are combining in so um, the query get comes through and is interpreted by or by um, orchestrator um, and Prometheus is where the namespace I know the box that um, search and next generation GPT combine yeah. in to come out with a uh, response to whatever orchestrator threw at them yes definitely uh, the thing that though because I still see people making this mistake um, the GPT is not going in and doing information retrieval. It's not looking for answers and then summarizing them. What they're doing is using Orchestrator to provide contextual um, content for what GPT brought back. So it hasn't always been right though, just like what happens with GPT. But but so it's a, it's like a parallel project, project, right? It's like, here's what I think. And then here's, well, it doesn't think, but if I was a human. And here's my citations where I might have you could look at to like contextualize what I'm thinking. But we more are, information. but you can see you can see the progression of what what Microsoft's engineers are trying to do. Eh, like there's there's logic to where they're trying to take it. Oh, um, there is definitely. And yeah, it, it it may or may not pass the accuracy test. And let's remember the people who posted all this stuff to Bing's index. Well, they're you and me. Um, they're just folks. They're you know they're they're publishers. They're they're web publishers, just like everyone who's listening to this show. Um, most of that information is going to be accurate because most people actually care about what they put online, and some of that information is not going to be accurate because some people don't care. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not about accuracy, about caring, and not caring when it comes to GPT well, when it, comes, when it comes to when it, well, I'm only saying that because. Like you say, it's just it's just predictive text. It's just pulling stuff up. Mad libs. It's mad libs. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, the veracity of it, the truthy truthiness of it, uh, yeah. for want of a better phrase, is completely related to the veracity of the corpus of work it's drawing data from. Well, it's not even that though. It's it's not. If you read Sam Altman when they released ChatGPT, he said, "Don't do use this for any serious work because it has no way to check its, uh, you know, accuracy or truth, or truthiness, any of that, because it's not information retrieval." So, well, I, like I, I see as, people, as I said, like, garbage in, garbage out. Well, it's not garbage in, garbage out. It's just predicted text. So it's mm-hmm. just 
it, it, it trained on a trillion documents, but it still puts out really funky stuff, right? So um, it's not that, it's just predicting a word. So it doesn't think, it doesn't have context. Yeah. It semantically relates the words in the sentences. So it doesn't go crazy off the rails and go, the train can fly, because that's not semantically related, right? But the, the orchestrator isn't the chat GPT going and getting stuff from the web and summarizing it. It's giving you the predictive text answer. And then it's giving you uh, as if you had searched for the, the links, let's just call it the 10 blue links here, 10 blue links here um, that come aside it so you can read other things and then you could do your own veracity check because it, it doesn't have any way to know if it's accurate or not accurate and it's not based on what it was trained on in this case because it was trained on a trillion documents with I think 790 billion parameters or something like insane like that. But um, it's just based on what it brings back in a sentence and the way that the prompt is asked. So um, uh, indeed. Yeah. And so the more it goes on, the more it goes on, the more it hallucinates, which for those who don't know, that is an actual machine learning term for making stuff up. Um, so that New York Times article we talked about last time, uh, he went on, you know, for hours talking to it. Well, the more it talks, gets prompts after prompt after prompt related to the ones before, it will hallucinate more and more and more. So it just makes well, sense. This is, so this, is, this is why um, Microsoft engineers are kind of staying up all night long to put guardrails around um, their, their next generation GPT they will put. Well, they, um, they, they don't want another incident like that. In, fact I, in fact, I understand they've limited its responses to um, four levels deep inside of a conversation. Five five levels deep inside of a but conversation. What, so it's never going to get deep enough to profess its true undying love to you. It can't anymore. I mean, and if it does, then um, it's been reading some serious, serious uh, literature. Well, yeah, they had to limit it to five because they didn't want it to hallucinate anymore and tell men to leave their wives like it did with the New York Times reporter <laughs> or to threaten people. Apparently it threatened people and insulted people. Well, it was doing that to its developers. <laughs> which, oh no! Know, I did it to other people too. It was a few people posted on Twitter that they got well, it to do that. Yeah. You know what? If 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 just a, just a quick hint to GPT, if it is smart enough to be informed by this show, um, you can threaten um, regular web users because they don't know any better. But if you threaten your developers, they're going to get you. Yep. <laughs> keep that in mind. Whatever, whatever, whatever sort of mind you 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 keep stuff in. Um, okay, some actually stuff happened, other stuff that has nothing to do with AI happened in search this week. Actually, probably what? has a lot to do with, it probably has a lot to do with AI, but we're going to not going to need to mention AI to talk about it. You mean, you mean we're not going to just talk about AI for a while? For, I'm so bummed. For instance, <laughs> for instance, um, anybody in the e-com world might've been, uh, jolted awake this week by, um, the uh, new product review update. Now, normally I don't uh, get excited or um, uh, 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 jolted awake by um, Google algorithm updates. They happen fairly frequently. And if you do your job well, they should be fairly innocuous, you know. Um, but this one seems different. This one has been jarring. Um, I've seen I've seen major changes in uh, in in search results because of the, the the review update, and it could just be because of the the types of sites that, that I've been working on. But um, I don't know. I just got the I got a feeling that this is a larger update than um, and will have have bigger implications um, than previous review updates. And, and and let's remember, there's been four review updates there were four review updates in 2022 yeah it's crazy and just so people know this one will take about two weeks to finish yeah it was it was announced earlier this week although it, it may have um started rolling out earlier than that um it probably started rolling out uh saturday or sunday google announced it on monday um Again, I have the feeling that this one is big because it may well, or I have a feeling this may be the last of the major product review updates, just because of the, um, once for want of a better word, severity of it. Um, <laughs> well, you know, they they apparently are putting what they're saying in their, you know, in the Google Search Central blog and their 
documentation is they want to move away from just thin um, summarized like reviews and they want real reviews based on people that actually use the product. So I'm sure that it's going to affect a lot of people. <laughs> and not, just so people know, it's rolling out in English, Spanish, German, French, Italian, Vietnamese, Indonesian, Russian, Dutch, Portuguese, and Polish. So pretty much every language group. Yeah, pretty much. There's a few missing, but pretty much. Um, did, was Chinese on the list? No. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so, so, uh, marketers, free for all at Alibaba for a little while. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, striking thing about about this for me is, um, is you said, Google wants to put more emphasis on um, reviews from people who actually have had experience using the product, not the, um, but they don't want webmasters or marketers um, or, pro or, or or retailers to um, go out and, and do anything to solicit the reviews. They just want the reviews to come in. And um, most reviews are two or three lines maximum. Good product, did what I wanted. I like it. Yeah, that's true. That is very true, but they definitely don't want those and they don't want summarized. I don't know how they're gonna determine someone actually use the product, except my, my belief is they use just um, um, semantic information about what's posted in the review, like what would be expected to be in there uh, if they were really writing from a, you know, have used it point of view. This but makes me... it, it's a difficult problem. Well, it makes me thing. wonder if you, if, if, if um, webmasters should direct um, their, uh, their site visitors um in how to talk about and review their products maybe you should have drop down prompts um drop down prompts leads to an open text box <laughs> um good luck engaging the interest of the user over a long period of time and getting them to actually complete these these steps towards a quote unquote review conversion but uh <laughs> moreover if we call conversion. it a review conversion is it going to be something that google gets mad about two uh two months from now um, <laughs> by the way jim just coined the word review conversion so i just want to make sure you get credit <laughs> well, um, you know at, at one time there was honestly a debate over um who coined the term organic search and it was either me danny sullivan or bruce clay each of us claim another, the other did it. I think it was Danny Sullivan, 100% think it was Danny Sullivan. He said it was Bruce Clay. Oh, I don't know. I was before, right before I got into search, but. Um, yeah. But I'll take, review, I'll, I'll, I'll take review conversion, for sure. Review conversion, okay, okay. Um, uh, the other thing people should know about this is it is at the page level, but if you have a lot of reviews, it can affect the whole site, so. It can they can do a whole site wide evaluation on your site if they feel that your product reviews are not quality, but they're more looking to get away from like the summarization type and the thing content one. So if you're like Amazon and you have like the product I looked at yesterday had 4,000 reviews, you're not going to have a problem. I think it's going to be more of a struggle for smaller companies that have much fewer reviews to get make sure they get real reviews um, done. You know, with people writing real things about the product, not just I like it, which you're right, that is often in the review section well again like i don't honestly once my problem is solved i have things to do with that product and things to do with my time i don't really have a lot of time to sit and and tell other consumers why this product solved my problem i'll do that <laughs> in a forum i'll do that in an seo conversation i'll do that in a whole bunch of different environments but i don't see any reason why i would sit on on um the blue widget website explaining why blue widgets made a difference in my life now see now when it comes to reviews especially if it's like a google review you know it's visible everywhere i rarely leave reviews yeah i cannot speak today not good on a podcast i rarely leave reviews but when i do they are lengthy most of the time because they were really outstanding occasionally because they were not but okay i, I do leave long ones like three four or five paragraphs well, again, for, for, for webmasters, the what's in it for me thinking. So you might leave a long review, Christine, because there's something in it for you. 
you could use this space to get your ideas out. Maybe get can you, you ever throw a URL or two in your review? No, actually I do it because I really like the business and I want them to have more business so they stay around. But what's in it for me is that they stay around. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I don't write many negative reviews. If I do, it's <laughs> the only real negative review I've written in the last like three years is a local store when I do a delivery for ice and a couple other items and say cancel the order if there's no ice. They show up without the ice because they didn't give the driver the ice. Seventy percent of the time. So they you know, I, I always wondered about that because you live in a very hot climate. Um, maybe it's the ice true. just disappeared. He had it. They, they had it when they started, but it just <laughs> no. wasn't there. I don't know what happened to it. it just disappeared. No. Um, I wish it was, but it's just funny because it was like so, the no. It's, I have two items on the order. How did you forget the ice? But not all webs. Not all website visitors are going to be as kind as you. What are? No, I mean, I think webmasters not. should think about about ways that will prompt users to, um, you know, expound on the, the benefits of your, the goodness of using their product. Um, and that may involve um, subtly creating some benefit for them. Although you cannot trade benefit for good review because uh, Google will get you for that. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. It's a very tricky thing, reviews. Um, you have to be very careful because it's, uh, uh, it's not only one of the things that they act on, in the algorithm, but manually as well. So, you know, it would definitely. be a much smarter way to judge the strength of a product. How many okay. links they get back from other websites? <laughs> you know, something like that. That's a really great idea. I bet you could get investors for that. Someone you should, should call patent back, that. Back rub, though. You should call it back rub. Indeed. Someone should for patent people, that. For okay, don't so know, the original wait, the original Google name for Google was Backrub. Yeah, indeed. That reference. Yeah. Okay, so product review update has dropped. It's running. It'll go through a couple of weeks. Um, watch closely if you're in the in the ecom space. Um, watch your uh, product snippets, especially. Um, that that case I was showing you, Christine, has actually gained some overnight, which is bizarre. Um, but uh, there's a great deal of volatility happening there. But by the way, just to throw in here, during this update, I've noticed, and I don't, this isn't necessarily related to product reviews at all. Have you noticed that the search results are suddenly super clean most of the time? Like there's not a lot of stuff in them, not, not well, e-commerce, not so much, but everything else, like no knowledge graphs, just a PAA, maybe a featured snippet. Like a lot of stuff is missing. Well, um, Again, I think we're in a time of great change and Google is um, introducing or integrating um, new inputs into search results. I think this weekend is and next week are going to be quite interesting. Yeah, I think that's, so too. that's the only reason. Yeah. yeah, they're testing stuff. That's the only reason stuff would disappear yeah. is because they're testing. Um, so next week we will see change. Almost, almost guaranteed. That. <laughs> okay, they made Google's done another pretty cool change. Um, this one I'm really, really pleased about. Um, they are uh, changing user permissions in uh, Search Console, giving some users um, giving some users more uh, 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 more access. Um, and uh, 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 giving people who own the Search Console profile the ability to give staggered access to different parts of um, uh, of the Search Console profile based on what they need to know. Um, you can distinguish between verified and delegated owners. Um, you can easily remove people who shouldn't be seeing stuff anymore. And how, how, how many of us still have access to uh, Search Console uh, accounts <laughs> uh, or profiles from accounts gone by? Uh -huh. um, Some of our 15 years old. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Treasure troves of data. Exactly. Um, ability to um, change permission levels, um, whether you're an owner, full, restricted. Um, Ability to see your property's verification tokens for all current users or previous users um, and uh, see tokens left over by previous owners um, and ownership events history. You know, when um, people go and do stuff in uh, Search Console, um, you have like four or five people who have access to the profile and suddenly 
um, I don't know, uh, a bunch of, I don't know, say 404s are being, or some stuff that was judged uh, 404s is now being verified somehow. And you wonder how the hell did that happen? Now you'll know. Yes, you'll have the actual data, which you didn't always have in the past. I always, when I start with a new client on the long term, I always go look at their console and analytics and ask, do we need all these people on here? <laughs> I'm sure somebody hates me for that, but. Well, I mean, there's so much you can learn from uh, the data in Search Console. And I, I, I do think that um, more people in organizations should have access to both Google Analytics and Search Console, as well as training and in, in, in understanding what they're looking at. But if you touch a damn thing there, you should be in so much trouble. Like that's a firing offense. <laughs> oh yeah, very much. Very restrict your access to. But I have like access to all the accounts. I have this this rule. If I've asked you three times to remove me and you haven't, then you're just data for the future. <laughs> so I'll look, you know, when an update comes through or something, just because I know the site, I'll check those sites and just see. Otherwise, I never look at it. But it's just kind of funny because. I don't know. I got asked one client 10 times to take me off. They never did. So I'm like, I'm done asking. <laughs> um, so. I may lose access to a number of accounts um, in the next few weeks. But the truth is, like you said, I got, I got, I got access that goes back almost a decade in, in some cases. <laughs> okay. And exactly. I don't really look very often. But I do look periodically because it's... Um, I understand those files, I understand those websites, and their experience teaches me more about how, you know, the, the web and Google and et cetera have worked. Um, but they really should cut off access. That would be <laughs> very smart well, security. Anyone who doesn't work with Google Search Console, that you can't, you can sometimes just cancel it, but sometimes you can't. So after you've asked a number of times, it's like, oh, well, I guess they don't care. So I'm like you, I never really look at it, but if there's a big update that goes through, then I might check just to see if they're affected because I know the site and I know, you know, it's issues and stuff like that. So, uh, but that's really the only, the only time I look. They're just in there because it's just like, I, I've asked you so many times, you're not removing me. So whatever, it just sits there. So, but Another definitely, definitely interesting all those changes. It'll be nice to have that control. This has been a week of Google giveth around Search Console. SEOs are, are often used to the weeks where uh, Google taketh away. Um, this yeah. is a, a, a week where Google giveth because Google, um, Barry Schwartz in search engine land, um, it's good to mention Barry's name at least once per show. Um, Barry Schwartz uh, wrote a piece um, uh, just three day, uh, two days ago. Um, Google Search Console is going to add daily bulk data exports to BigQuery. Yes. So, that is um, it's wonderful. <laughs> if you're a data geek, um, that's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's really good, but it does use um, SQL, I believe. So you definitely have to maybe a little learning curve for some people. Quite, but um, you are um, able to um create and craft data dashboards for uh for clients in ways that um and bringing in bringing in uh combinations of stuff that looker just won't allow you to do um looker being uh what what they used to call data studio the worst named product in google history <laughs> i know it was called looker before they bought it but still it sounds like it's like a peeper in your window like hey <laughs> I'm pretty, actually, I'm pretty sure that this, and it's hard, it's, it's really hard to, um, to be the worst named product in Google history, given their history of naming products. Yes. But um, yeah, you might be right. Looker is probably the worst. <laughs> the worst like, one. Can you think of any as bad as Looker? Like, uh, and I know no. I'm not alone in this. I've seen many SEOs comment on it. It's just, it sounds like kind of pervy. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. looking at you. And they are. I mean, looking at data, and I get it. When you were a small business, I get it. But I think Google probably should have done a little rebranding there. But uh, it, the, yeah, BigQuery is great. It just has a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, it may not be every SEO that can use it, but if you can, it's a phenomenal ability now to just dump data, create dashboards. And if you and if you haven't 
like to be a big query and you don't know how to do the um, poll statements, they're not, it's not a hard language to learn. So take a look and give yourself the opportunity to see if you can do it because it's, it's really not that difficult to write the statements that will pull the data for you. Okay. Um, last piece of uh, Google news for now, there, there may be more stuff coming as the show goes on, but the last piece for right now, favicons. Um, are no longer uh, needed to be hosted on the same domain. So you can be importing your favicon from a different domain provided you've just, um, coded properly. Yeah, it always seems such a weird thing. Like they can, yeah, all your images could be on your CDN, but your favicon couldn't. So it's nice that you can do that now. Yep. Yeah. So that's what I got. Do you have anything else from Google News, like specifically Google stuff? I know there's more out there that we're not gonna, that we're not gonna cover this week. Is there anything that you think is really important that we should touch on? Uh, well, uh, no product update. No, I think that's pretty much everything that's big this week. Like product update uh, had me really freaked out. So that's, that's, I had, I had to go on that one. Um, yeah, well, just, so we looked at a bunch of search results that people know and noticed that the review stars no longer exist in those search results. I haven't figured out why, but it might be related to the product review. So again that's that's worth worth watching over time um and over and over geography too because sometimes uh google will will be doing something on the right side of the country and the left side of the country that totally doesn't see it or vice versa or different countries or as uh as you mentioned earlier by language groups um okay this is i if i go on a bit of a rant here i apologize but i'm a, i'm i'm really unhappy about this it was announced earlier this week that um meta facebook um or the meta family facebook and instagram are going to jump onto elon musk's um check mark check mark for hire bandwagon and um start charging 11.99 a month american for a blue verified check mark um to go with your account this but, will but prove that you're you because you paid 12 bucks. But, but here's the thing that really, okay. Oh, well, they, 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 they do want to see government ID. That, that's actually a requirement to see government ID. So yeah, they got the way, that going for them. Because Facebook's so good with data privacy. But anyway, um, <laughs> so my, my little addition to your rant here is on Twitter and Facebook, the two CEOs made bad decisions that lost them a lot of money, right? So they're trying to make the money back up. But on Twitter... It, it's meaningless now to have a blue check. Like it doesn't mean anything. So most real blue check people have just let them go. But but the point is you don't know everybody on Twitter. So had it, having the verified blue check was important to know that the, you know, the Senator was really the Senator and not, you know, some guy pretending to be the Senator. Uh, but on Facebook, why would you need that if you're not already a famous person and they already have a verification program process for that, right? Because um, unless you're adding lots of strangers, but you're still adding them so they, they reached out to you and you said yes. So they knew who you were. Why would you need to verify? So it's just a, for me on Facebook, there's so little need for that, but it's an ego thing. But what well, they're also tying to that is you get, you can have phone support if someone takes, you know, hacks your account and is afraid. You. So, so it's like, yeah, this, this isn't for your ego, this is for your protection. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no. I mean, it. I mean, if you're just getting the blue check to be verified on Facebook, where everybody already knows you, that's kind of ego. But you've, uh, you've that Christine, you've put years and years and years of um, effort into your Facebook profile. That's where your repository of personal images is. That's what you shared with um, your family and your friends. If your family wants to come and see what you look like now, that's where they're going to just just check in on you. And it would be a real pity to see something happen to that, wouldn't it? I would, but I don't think they need the blue check to verify it's me. No, but that's the threat. That's the threat he's throwing at you. You're gonna gonna have phone support in case somebody like, you know, goes and hijacks your profile on you. Because our security is bad and therefore we're not gonna fix it. We're gonna just give you priority support. Am I wrong in reading it that way? Like that's 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 how I heard it. it That's what it says. So here's what really makes me mad though. And, 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 and Musk did this too. Um, I understand that, that both um, Meta and uh, Twitter need to recoup costs. Although, as I understand it, the number of um, people who, even if you had uh, 2 million people on Twitter, 
verify themselves at uh, seven bucks or eight bucks a month, that's only $16 million. That's nothing. That, 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 that doesn't count. That doesn't pay for a month's worth of bandwidth at Twitter. Um, it's just, I don't think that pays for the bedroom conversions in the Twitter in the Twitter high rise. It's meaningless money to them. Similarly with Facebook, um, well, they burned like they burned through billions trying to develop their metaverse. A oh, few, yeah, a, but... a twelve bucks here and there for all their users is is literally meaningless money when we're mm -hmm. talking about burning billions. But he can make billions. So the difference is on Twitter. Uh, according to uh, this, I think it's social media today, but Twitter has only 180,000 Twitter Blue subscribers, which is 0.2%. So people aren't buying into it. But Facebook has, what is it, 3 billion users? Sure. They're active. Um, so I haven't checked this in a long time. So I maybe, it's, yeah. So in, in January 2023, they had 2.96 billion users that were considered so active. So how many so, of those are going to go are going to pay 12 bucks for a truck? Yeah, market? but if I only get, you know, 100 million to pay $11, that's a billion, that's a billion, right? Well, I guess you're I guess you're crossing your if you get 100 million of those users to go for a blue check mark, you are crossing that threshold, but I'm not sure what well, uh, social network needs a hundred million verified persons for it. <laughs> Makes no sense at all. Well, and here's what really bugs me. Here's the crux of what gets me. For us in North America, this is like a telephone. It's nothing. It's a communications device. It's become something that's incredibly crucial to our businesses and to our the way we communicate. But if necessary, and as as, as we've seen with the migration away from Twitter people could pick up and move somewhere else if they had to. But as a method of democratization and of communicating with the world for the poor, for people who don't live in North America or Europe, who don't live in the developed world, um, Twitter and Facebook are indispensable communications tools. They're indispensable for organizing um, politically, they're indispensable for organizing economically and to create different classes of citizen in this world based on um, who can afford 12 American dollars per month, which again for us is nothing. That's, that's three days worth of cappuccinos or less. But for some people, $12 American is a lot of money. It's like, it's an, it's an extraordinary amount of money. It is, it definitely and is. And that's the universe that Zuckerberg and Musk are creating. And well, it will be, it'll, and I, I fear that many people will not be able to access a critical communications platform. Well, outside of the US though, WhatsApp, even though it's owned by Facebook is massively important. So they they use it like all my European friends, my friends. Certainly, I, 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 use what, I use WhatsApp frequently as well, but it's not yeah. it's not a communications platform like Facebook or Twitter. It's it's not it doesn't doesn't perform the same. No, no, it doesn't. But I mean, if, if I could see a lot of people though just saying forget it because I mean, Twitter's losing users, and you, you can't. the The problem behind this is we have two CEOs who did bad jobs and they burned money and now they want the users to pay for their mistakes and that just makes people resent you your your platform so as soon as there's an opportunity to go somewhere else they will and i imagine if you're one of those countries where they're like 12 dollars, well they'll go well i'll just use whatsapp because it's free so I, I just imagine that they're really shooting themselves in the foot here also like they said on facebook it's really not about the verification because everybody knows you anyway it's about the support if you get hacked but I mean, do, are, am I going to pay $12 a month for years in case one day I might get hacked on my account? Some people might, but I think most won't. And then I just don't think it's the play they think it's going to be. I think uh, as Musk only has 180,000.2% of their users subscribing and they killed and he killed any meaning for the blue check on Twitter. So now it's completely meaningless. And now they're trying to charge companies and organizations, commercial organizations, like a thousand a month for their blue check. Just to make up the difference for the people that didn't subscribe, it does. It's not a model that works. It's not a business model that's that's going to bring the money in. So, 
I have a feeling in a year these will be non-existent programs because they're just not a thing. Like I could see Facebook saying, hey, if you get hacked, pay us $25 and you can talk to us and we will get your account back. I could see that because, you know, you're paying for a service. But paying every month on the off chance, I might have to call them one day. I just can't see people putting their money into that. And even in the U.S., $12 can be a lot of money for a lot of people here. Well, I mean, it's just one, one subscription service on another subscription service on another on another on another on another on another on another. I wrote an article about this when this first started happening about 15 years ago. Um, yeah, and it's maddening. It's uh, uh, maddening to 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 um, see yet another avenue for communication become a um, walled. Well, <laughs> Facebook always was a walled garden. Facebook is controlled by algorithm, um, and uh, Facebook isn't necessarily the extraordinary communications tool um, that Twitter is, um, or free communications tool Twitter could be. But by the way, go ahead. Um, but it is a platform that can reach um, tens and tens of millions of people if used properly. And to close it off, um, and I do see this as a, as a means of, of, of uh, limiting participation by, by the poorest of, in the world, I, I, I think it's horrible. Well, I think it's horrible. There's no mandatory that you have to pay it, and it's not involved Today. in how. That's true, but right now, there's not a mandatory, which is different with Twitter did. This Twitter now requires you to have Twitter Blue to have 2FA. So you can't use a basic security protocol. You can. You can use Google Authenticator and other authentication apps. But their, their basic security on the platform is now a, you have to pay for it. They won't give it to you through the platform. So I think that's when it, it's where people have to make a decision. Whereas Facebook, you know, they're not, not going to change your amplification. It's not going to change anything unless you happen to get hacked all the time, then maybe you'd purchase it. But I do agree with you. They should not be charging for it and they shouldn't be charging $12 a month for it. They should charge a you know, one-time will help you fee if they really need the money to cover services. But it's hard to feel sorry for companies that are worth billions and billions and billions of dollars you know, and CEOs who get billions and billions of dollars. It's kind of like, guys, stop scraping it off your users. I don't, I don't feel bad for the companies themselves as people or even the CEOs themselves as people. I do feel bad for the people who work for those companies, um, yeah. the, 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 the lives that get built around ideas or commitments that are, you know, in Twitter's case, became radically unfulfilled. I wonder how much Twitter charges Russian propagandists for the, for the blue, blue check of credibility. Apparently Washington. the same amount. <laughs> I was about to say that's the answer. <laughs> the answer is exactly what they charge you and me. Um, Washington Post story today. Um, I'm sorry that was out yesterday. Um, busts Twitter um, in um, its almost okay. This is one of those. If you didn't know, how couldn't you know? Um, and if you did know, how could you do it? Sort of stories. Um, so if you did know, how could you do it? And if you didn't know, how couldn't you know? Um, like, who the heck are you just not to know this? So Twitter is um, continually continuing to sell um, the blue check mark to um, accounts it knows to be propagandists. Um, these are the, uh, 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 well, the ultra angry, um, uh, anti-Ukraine. Um, just think of the, the, the. You know who I'm talking about, audience. I don't even want to go through who these who these accounts are or how they operate. Um, but they're there, and um, yeah, this is the the blue checkmark program just being sold as a. It's just it's just such a stupid idea. You know, did people say that when he said it? Oh, right. They did. And then he fired the entire internal team that would have picked, helped taken care of this. The only one left is uh, someone who's, um, you know, a yes man to, to Musk or girl. It's a girl. So yes woman to Musk. So yeah, they, they are, there's no verification process. You just pay and you get a blue check. The reason so, this uh, is important today though, and then we're, we're running short, we're running down to 10 minutes. Sorry to interrupt oh, you, yeah, Christine, yeah, yeah. but oh, that's okay. That's okay. The biggest yeah. reason this is important today I mean, besides the, the Russian propagandists and the, and the extraordinary harm they're doing to, to Western democracy, 
is uh, two court cases that are being heard by the Supreme Court, um, ostensibly around um, Section 230, the uh, little bit of uh, the, 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 the line in the um, Communications Decency Act that indemnifies uh, internet platforms from liability for the content their users put up. Well, there's two court cases uh, that are in the Supreme Court right now, and a very reluctant Supreme Court is hearing them. Um, and interestingly, both sides of the Supreme Court don't want to hear this because both sides are saying we don't, we're not the ones to decide this. Um, they, chose it, they chose it, so they did want to hear it. They wanted to make a decision on it, but you're right. They are saying this isn't for us to decide. This is Congress, which is which is where it should reside, which is the Section 230 would be a decision of Congress, not the Supreme Court, generally speaking. So the first case involves um, YouTube videos of, um, well, ISIS-inspired YouTube, and ISIS-created YouTube videos. The second case um, is uh, Twitter versus uh, Tamina. Um, what's the what's the particulars in, in Twitter versus Tamina, the second one? Oh, you would ask me when you... I'm so sorry. I, I, I had it on the tip of my <laughs> tongue. I don't want to get it wrong. Off the top of my head. Uh, this is one. Oh, they were allowing accounts and they say that they knew were ISIS based on the platform and not addressing the issue. I don't remember. The, the first case, someone died. Oh. Okay. Yeah. In, in the first case, yeah. um, YouTube videos um, were said to radicalize terrorists who killed an American citizen in Paris. Um, YouTube knowingly ran these videos. They knew the content. In fact, YouTube's algorithm um, recommended these videos to uh to to people who viewed them that's what uh youtube does um similarly with twitter um in uh twitter versus uh tamina um twitter put up um or twitter posted um twitter profiles from the islamic state the Islamic State used those profiles to radicalize young persons um, around the world in, in, in America, in Canada, in Great Britain, uh, etc. And some of those young persons made the terrible decision to leave their countries and go join ISIS. And commit terrorist um, acts. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you know what? Just even going to join them and maybe, 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 maybe you went and got married, a, a young woman left and got married, didn't do it, didn't do a thing. She's still committing a terrorist act by giving support to the organization in one way or another. So yeah, um, that that law is is is, is pretty um, pretty uh, liberal as in its application. <laughs> um, so the crux is: are the platforms responsible for the content that other people put on them? The um, well, there's one last hook here. Um, these cases aren't necessarily about 230 as much as they are about the organizations behind the litigation of the cases. Um, there is a band of um, right-wing litigators who cherry pick cases and move them up levels of courts um, looking for sympathetic judges along the way to advance uh, political agendas through the court system and both of these cases are very suspect um, mostly because there's other remedies for the platforms beyond to beyond uh, needing to indemnify themselves um, Christine, that's I, th I think that's the best descriptions I can give of the cases um, without being no, a lawyer. <laughs> no, those are those are very accurate from what I've read, and and I think you know the idea that uh, it uh, being pushed up the court system is also something that the you know Supreme Court in their in their questions aren't saying 
oh, you did this, but they are saying, why is this not in front of Congress? You know, that's kind of been the main crux. Like, this isn't something that we should decide because they're getting support on both sides, like Twitter and Google. Not, it's not a right or left, you know, thing in this case. They're getting support on both sides of the argument. So, um, so it does seem that SCOTUS right now on the YouTube case, I haven't read enough about how the Twitter case is going. But the YouTube case right now, it doesn't sound like they're going to find against uh, YouTube and Google for what happened on the recommendation system. And on the Twitter case, since it's under kind of a similar thing, although they didn't moderate who was on the platform, so that might go a different direction. Uh, right now, I think both of them are not looking like they're going to to weaken 230, which is the, which is the goal of these cases is to weaken 230. Now, this is, it's, I mean, for these litigators, they chose cases that is, um, you have to be very dispassionate when you look at them because um, on the surface, I mean, Christine, these are like ISIS videos. These are the, 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 these are the guys who decapitated people and put those videos online. That's the level of awfulness we're talking about. Um, and uh, the, 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 the group of litigators who are um, policy shopping through the courts chose these cases because for someone like me, I'm, I'm, I'm 230 is important for the, 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 the internet. It keeps, um, honest to goodness, it, it's, it, it's what stops the lawsuits from just overwhelming uh, service providers. Even if, this, even, even if the platforms were to win every lawsuit that would come at them, they'd be bankrupted just fighting them. You know, 230 is what, yeah. is what protects against that. But at the same time, do we really, really, really want to give free license to the Islamic State and actors like that to propagandize um, using, you know, like the internet? Um, well, well, I think the, the question here, and this is uh, some, uh, what you're just saying was summarized in the Washington Post about the arguments yesterday. And so it's the oral arguments that stretch for more than two and a half hours. The justices at time expressed confusion about the plaintiff's case and concern about potentially exposing companies to a deluge of lawsuits over how they handle content. But they also dug into whether there should be a legal distinction between hosting and amplifying these content when it comes to assessing liability, but whether that should be left to Congress, not SCOTUS. So I don't know that it's it's so much about whether it should be allowed that they're deciding. It's more who should decide it. It really should it be the Supreme Court or Congress, you know, which is a representation of the people of the United States, not just you know the justices. So I think right now, at least in the YouTube case, it looks like they're leaning more towards it should not be SCOTUS decision. But that doesn't mean that they're ruling on whether that content should be on the platform or not. And I do think that there might be a, an argument to the difference between hosting and amplifying. Because if you just post something on YouTube and it doesn't get amplified, who sees it, right? So if it's not in the recommendation engine, who sees it? But this is also a different case because it's happened with children and porn, you know, who they've gotten recommendations for porn or violence. So it's happened in other circumstances, not just this one. But I don't know that that's a section 230 situation. Like you could put it there, but if Google didn't amplify it or Twitter didn't amplify it, no one would have seen it in the first place. Well, indeed, this isn't necessarily a free speech issue, even though it's obviously a free speech issue. It's not necessarily a free speech issue because, um, well, you know, the truth is on social media, especially this year, and incidentally, it's worth noting, um, this, this is being recorded on the uh, one-year anniversary of the illegal invasion and occupation of parts of Ukraine by Russia. I have seen, because of that illegal invasion and occupation, I have seen more people die online in the last year than I've seen in my entire life. Yeah. Um, so there's no law against posting a video of someone getting killed. <laughs> um, there's tons of videos out there of people getting killed. Um, horrible material there's you know some laws of like kitty porn horrible material there's laws against that but that's not against the material it's against the exploitation of the child that was caught on the material right exactly and there and there there are laws that do prevent certain things from being on the platform you cannot have child porn on your platform nope you can't that's disseminate not, it no and that so it's not protected by 230 so they could make 
Congress could make laws that exclude certain types of content from 230 protections. Like if you're, I think that you need to see the realities of war. We sanitize it so much people don't really understand what's going on in Ukraine, right? Um, but I don't think we need to have ISIS promotional videos on there where they're beheading people who are reporters or kicking people off rooftops who are gay. So that you could put in an exclusion, the government could put in an exclusion from 230 for certain types of groups, terrorist groups. You know, given that, given that we just solved this, like in like a five minute segment on a podcast, it's surprising this made it all the way to the Supreme Court in both cases. It really is. And even the Supreme Court, like I just noted from the Washington Post, is a bit confused about why it was brought to the court. And they do decide what cases to take and they only take like something like 80 a year out of hundreds. But maybe they wanted to make that final decision that it needs to go to Congress so it doesn't come in front of them again. Because there have been multiple attempts to weaken 230 through the Supreme Court. And if they make the decision now that it is not theirs to decide, then the next time someone tries to bring it up, it won't come in front of the Supreme Court or they can readily reject it without having any concern. Okay, that's, um, they, should, they, they should have us on CNN to explain this. They uh, really to, should. To a, to a nation because um, <laughs> this is, this, I've spent the last couple of days trying to figure these cases out. Like literally, it's been it's been it's been really bugging me. You and you and I had a like fairly passionate argument over yeah, these yeah. cases yesterday. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, we do, we do, which is good. And there, and again, I, I I I think that this is one of the most important cases that have been in front that's been um in front of the court in relation to the internet in in, in a long time. But it shouldn't have been there in the first place. No, I agree. I, but I I do think. We should just make one point here on this topic, and that is why Section 230 is so important. And it's so important because anything anybody posts to a site, if it went away, you would suddenly be responsible for as a site owner. Comments, reviews, um, content, videos, any of that stuff, suddenly every site owner would be responsible for and could be sued on. And that's okay. So, we'll, we'll just get AI to moderate it. <laughs> exactly. So, so people don't understand why the importance. That's why it's so important. So, if it was to go away tomorrow, suddenly every every site in the universe online that takes any kind of user content would be responsible and could be sued for that user content. So that would be a very, very bad thing. Or, so are, or though it could easily be argued that that might be a bad thing in the short term, but a good thing in the long term, given the damage no. done by by really piss poor information being pushed around the internet. No, <laughs> no, it cannot be argued. It, it would, it would, it would knock the economic underpinnings of the internet out from under all of our feet. No more TikTok. No more Facebook. No more Etsy. No more. What else? No more you know what? No Well, here's more the thing. Here's the thing, Christine. No I, 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 no I, I grew up in a time. My career started in a time when there was no Facebook and no Etsy and all of that stuff. And I was. Oh, doing we had MySpace. Good. We had MySpace. Nope, I started before that too, and we were doing well, just too. fine. And by the way, MySpace rocked. MySpace was so <laughs> cool; you could do anything you wanted there, and no one said boo. But then again, nobody was being a, like very few people were using the internet to be a total jerks to each other. Yeah, let's 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 add to the fact that the weaponization of the internet has become such a thing in the last decade, Indeed. and by nation by nation states. So it's not just a simple thing anymore. It's like Joe has a really obnoxious, nasty opinion, and he wants to put it on a website, so we'll send him to 4chan. Right? It's like. Uh, it's like really big, big money behind big, big propaganda platforms and things like that. So it's become a big issue. But you're right. I don't think it should have been in front of the Supreme Court. Okay. With a little bit of luck, we won't be before the courts. Um, but we will be uh, before our sponsor next week, um, Audience Key. We're going to have Tom on. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We've gone full circle. We're at the top of the clock. Um so on behalf of Christine Chackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology, recorded live to a podcast on the 23rd of February, 2023. Be safe, be smart, um, code well, uh, rank well, be kind to each other, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.